It's common to spend hours looking for a therapist only to find a long wait list or that your values don't align. This process can be discouraging and can create even more hurt and despair. Saga Mental Health and Relationship Centers is here as a trusted source to offer a network of vetted and trusted Christian mental health professionals to support you in your journey towards healing and wholeness. As a nonprofit organization, Saga's goal is to help people in need and ensure that they can find a therapist easily and be confident that they will receive wise, biblically-backed counsel to stand against the chaos of today's world. If you need help or know someone who does, go to sagacenter.org. That's www.sagacenter.org. Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Leading Simple. My name is Rusty George, and today I have the honor of speaking with my executive assistant, Debbie Robert. Now, why do I do this? Because so many of you have asked, hey, what do I look for in hiring an executive assistant? Somebody that can just really help me connect the dots, set up meetings, make my life easier, but also somebody that sees this as their ministry as well. Kind of be me when I can't be in that room. Uh, The old term secretary, I don't need that. I need a co-laborer in this process. One that is so valuable, but also sees their value in that role. Well, I happen to have the perfect one. Unfortunately, she's not for hire. Uh, Her name is Debbie Robert. She is um, a sought after uh, advocate for executive assistants and continues to speak into other executive assistants and how to do their job in a way that honors God and honors their pastor. And I think you're really gonna have a lot to learn from what it is she has to say. Single-handedly, she has revolutionized my calendar, my ministry life, huge impact on our ministry at the church, and I think you're going to be really blessed by what she has to say. Well, I want to thank our friends from Saga for sponsoring the podcast this month. They do such an incredible job of helping you get connected with a counselor. We have sent so many of our staff and parishioners to Saga, and they've always been so, so grateful. So make sure you check them out, Saga Center. Dot org, S-A-G-A, center, C-E-N-T-E-R dot O-R-G. Okay, here's my conversation with my good friend and my executive assistant, Debbie Robert. Debbie Robert, thank you for joining the podcast. This is so surreal because you have helped produce and make so many of these podcasts happen and set up all of the guests. And now you're on the other side of the microphone. How does that feel? Well, first of all, Rusty, thanks so much for inviting me to be on. It feels um, really different being on this side. Um, I'm usually on the other side of it, so it'll be fun, and I'm planning on us having a good time. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) for our listeners that don't know you, um, you currently serve as a director, executive director of administration at at real life, but that doesn't sum up near what you do. You're an administrative assistant, executive assistant. You plan all of our culture rallies and leadership trainings and so many other things. Um, But tell us how you got here. Tell us your story a little bit. Who are you? 
Well, I'm married and Doug and I've been married for 18 years and Rusty, you married us. So how about that? Wow. It's been 18 years. Oh. It's been 18 years and we have three adult kids and, um, and then I have, we have three grandkids as well. And two dogs. And two dogs. And they're, ours are related too, aren't they? Mm -hmm, they are. Yeah. I came on staff um, about 10 years ago. It's been a little bit over 10 years, but Rusty, right before that, as you know, I um, was in the medical field. And so I was in the medical field for 20 plus years, and that's what my background and my training is. So I spent all those years in working with patients, um, building the business for the practice as well and then eventually i oversaw the practice we had two practices and i was the practice manager and um enjoyed every part of that and really felt like i was going to be there forever um, i really enjoyed what i was doing my husband and i started attending real life church and then i started volunteering we volunteered together and i volunteered in several areas at the church, enjoyed it, guest services, uh, community team, even uh, doing a mentoring ministry. And, and one thing led to another. I was invited and saw really um, that there was a mission trip. There was going to be a mission trip. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to go to Uganda. I want to see what that's like. That changed my whole world. Mm. And when I got there, things were really different. I. Um, had the space and the time to really connect, enjoyed every part of it. When I came back, I thought, felt God was leading me to do something else. And I didn't know what that something else was at all. And so went back to the place that I was working that I love so much and just kind of said, hey, I gave my notice. I, I gave my notice at that time just because I loved the mission and vision of Real Life Church. And I heard it and I loved doing anything. Not that I had any idea that I would even ever work at a church. That was the furthest thing from my mind. But I wanted to be in this valley because I wanted to be a part of what was happening there. So you go from working in the medical field, you know, in the offices and taking care of patients and everything and organizing doctors, which I think you'd be the first to tell us that doctors are not the most organized people in the world as uh, indicating by their, their handwriting. Um, so you have to deal with all of that. And then suddenly you decide to come volunteer at a church and eventually work at a church. Give us some compare and contrast. What's been the biggest difference or the biggest similarity in between working for doctors in a doctor's office in the medical profession, dealing with physically sick people versus working at a church, dealing with equally scattered pastors, dealing with soul sick mm. people? Wow, that's, you know, the way you put that together is really great. Um, it's something that I've actually thought about on how God leads us and how he um, takes us on a journey. Because I've often looked at what I did there and was seven and I was in pediatrics. So I would say of all the physicians out there, pediatricians are awesome because of the way they care and love for babies. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, doing that and with the practice and then what we do today and the team I sit on with everyone, just the similarities are amazing. And I do believe that God prepared me for that all 
along. I really do. But in that, I think there are differences in the work culture. Big differences in that that's where you do life, you go to church, you have your friends. If you're not doing things and keeping your friendships outside of that, it can be all consuming. So in pediatrics and medical field, when I was done, I was done. Here, it's not, it's not the same thing. It's ongoing and you're caring for people's souls, which is a big responsibility. And um, yeah, I just think there are the efficiencies. There's a difference in what I actually even thought it would be like working at a church. I think my perception was something to overcome as well. So it does take a little bit of time. <laughs> I remember many different people that have come from the marketplace into ministry, and it's a big transition because what used to be their place of worship now is their place of work. Who used to be their pastor is now their boss. Uh, and you begin to figure out people are people. And whether we work in a church or you work in a medical office, we've all got our stuff. We've got our issues. We've got our tendencies. We've got our, you know, how we deal with anger and conflict and all those kind of things. Was it, was it difficult to be around people that maybe at one point you had kind of revered and now you realize, boy, they're just real. And how did you process that? Cause a lot of people can't process that. They, they begin to you see, know. well, it's not just kumbaya and holding hands and praying all the time. This is, this is tough work. And there's people that just sometimes are people. Yeah. I think that was a, a learning. I really do. I think it, um, again, my perception of coming into it would be exactly what you just explained. It would be like, gosh, you get to pray at work. People are all going to be nice. You know, they're going to get along. <laughs> you know, all of those things. And, you know, it, it is a workplace and people are people. And um, I think it just takes time to process and learn that. And, and I did it through watching watching others. There are people that do it really well. And I looked at that and I started reading and listening and trying to understand the culture itself. Then, to be honest, I had a really heart for the culture because I think the church does so many things well in people, with people and loving people, but there are things that we don't do that well sometimes on the business side of things. So mm -hmm. looking at the whole thing. I just had to learn over time and make a lot of mistakes along the way, quite honestly. You know, as much as we try to make the workplace kind of this equal opportunity place and we try not to say, well, this is a man's role or this is a woman's role, there are certainly some uh, female intuitions and a mother and grandmother's uh, perception that you brought to the table. When you got here, we were probably at one of our worst moments culturally wise because we just added so many people so quickly. We'd grown so fast. We were just trying to keep up with everything God was doing. And somewhere along the way, we just lost some of that camaraderie and team spirit and culture. You figured that out and you had to begin thinking through, boy, how do we change this? But how do I do that in a loving way? Because you don't just walk into somebody's office and say, hey, you're a jerk and you need to fix that. What were some of the things you noticed and what were some of the strategies you kind of came up with, whether you meant to or not, and how to handle some of the difficult people and situations? 
I think that's um, a piece that experience has helped me. I really believe in some of the things that I navigated in the past and in uh, the medical practice with people uh, helped me. I've read a lot on, I remember this one book called Reading People. I read a lot on that, but really navigating it was really to understand and know, you know, who people were. I really wanted and had a passion and I still do have a passion for people and for us to be our best and to do our best and to really understand people. Um, and so I don't know if I always navigated it that well. I think I learned, I think we all learned together on what it would, you know, how we would do it, but, um, it's, gosh, that's a, it's a good question because it's just, comes down to loving people. I think it just comes down to loving people and trying to look at the best of who they are. Yeah, that's that's certainly one of the great characteristics you bring, but you certainly bring a lot of patience as well. Um, I, I think about, you know, one of the earlier days of your uh, even being a volunteer, I don't even think you were on staff yet. We had kind of what we refer to as the coup d'etat in the office where a couple staff members began to yell at each other and cuss each other out and it was just pandemonium. And some people responded in different ways. Some people just closed their door and didn't deal with it. Other people began to weep and cry and, and think the end was near. And then there were people like you that just said, all right, well, we have some people that are expressing their pain. Let's begin to deal with this. Um, what is kind of the, the, the checklist that goes on in your mind when something dramatic happens, you tend to respond differently than other people. What do you begin thinking in those moments? Oh, I was on staff uh, when that happened. I think I was newly on staff when that happened. Um, and it is, I think it is a checklist that when you're in a crisis, what are the things that you need to do? and you don't react that's one of the things you don't do is you don't immediately react you take time you try to understand really the situation that you're dealing with and you come with a helper's mind and i think that's a piece of it is always coming in and how i can diffuse the situation how can i help the situation really what's the truth in the situation and then how do we have to deal with it and i think being able to be level-headed in things and not again not react to them and think through what you're dealing with at the time will you know serve everyone well i love that you said that what's the truth in the situation because in those moments where it's very intense everybody takes their side as the gospel truth and everybody else is wrong when you're able to step back from it, you're able to say, okay, there's probably truth from both sides. Let's let's kind of parse that out and figure out what's really going on here. And only level-headed people can do that. Is that is that part of your Enneagram number? I know that's something <laughs> you've studied a lot and are uh, well-schooled in. Um, you know, is that something that just comes natural for you? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I really don't know. I... It may. I don't know if it's part of my Enneagram number. My Enneagram number, I, I keep looking at. I was just even um, listening this morning to a two, and I'm like, okay, am I a two? Um, so I'm still working through that piece of it, but I just think it's part of a desire that I have inside to make any situation better and have people see 
things differently when they walk around, when they walk away from it. And so I do believe that in the role and even the role that, you know, I do and serve you in is there is a thing that I don't know if you can touch or you can name a soft skill, but there has to be a finesse, a certain way of handling yourself and handling a, a situation. And I think back to Rusty, I really do. I think back to gentleness and kindness and exercising self-control and walking into the situations. That's what I desire to do the best I can. Doesn't always happen, but that's what I desire to do. You know, I want to shift gears a little bit to um, a position in the church that a, a lot of people hire and look for. You know, we call it several different things nowadays, whether it's an administrative assistant or ministry assistant. The old school term was secretary. We don't use that term oh. anymore, as you've told me. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think a, there's a lot of pastors out there that think, well, I just need a little bit of help. I need a little administrative help. I need a ministry assistant. And so they're, they're looking for somebody who can just get some stuff done, get, take some stuff off my off my plate, uh, make a few calls, um, set up a few lunches, those kind of things. But boy, if you can find somebody that's got a little bit of intuition, a little bit of finesse and is able to read a room, boy, that goes really far. So here's what I want to ask you. You've dealt with a lot of administrative assistance. You know, you've spoken to people both on our staff and at other staffs. You've interviewed people. You've been interviewed by people. What makes a great administrative assistant? And, and, and what are some of the things that we get kind of enamored by, but that's not really important? What really works well after all the things you've seen? Um, I think, first of all, being a great learner and being a student of the the pastor or the person that's leading and that you're working with. I think that's really important. It's known and it's said that it takes about two years to really get to know someone. So I would encourage anyone out there that has an administrative assistant, an executive assistant, to give it some time. But mostly I know that there's a struggle to define the role to best leverage the gifts and skills that the key leaders have. And I mean, the key leaders of the administrative assistant or the executive assistant. Um, I think you and you and I've talked about this. I love that you, what you do and that what you should only do. So Andy Stanley says, do what you only can do. And then someone else that I really follow a lot um, in the Enneagram teacher says, ask yourself the question, what's mine to do? So I think it's a combination of communication between the two, but I do feel like if you use someone's gifts and their talents and you allow them to really use those and the leader does what they can do, you can find a good combination, but it takes time to do that because you have to be a good student and a learner of knowing who each other are. I'm really glad you said the two-year thing because I, I talk to a lot of guys that, you know, they, they get an administrative assistant, male or female, and about six weeks in, they're like, ah, hired the wrong person. Person can't keep up. They don't know what I'm thinking. They don't know what I'm doing. And it really is a, a process. It takes a, a good amount of time. Um, and obviously, some, it comes quicker than others, but for a lot, it's kind of learning each other, learning what the role is, what it isn't, unlearning some things. And one of the things that I think that 
a lot of administrative assistants don't realize is what they're doing is ministry. And they tend to think, oh, mm-hmm. I just help out the minister or help out the pastor. How do you help administrative assistants see that what they're doing is ministry? And how do you view it that way as well? Well, because I look beyond, you know, I look beyond what I'm doing and think about who I'm doing it for. Um, I think that's a big part of it. We're all looking at the common goal. And for me, it's our mission and vision. So our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. Well, how do I do it in the seat that I'm sitting in? I think it's really important to think it through that way. And I think um, there is a part of us that we have to, you know, get rid of our own motives and our own desires of how we think things should be and collectively come together and work on how we can make it happen together. I think there's a big part of that. And knowing, you have to have the confidence knowing that you're making an impact in what you're doing by helping the leader get to where the leader needs to go as well. Whether I'm the leader at the time or I'm serving, it doesn't matter either way. It is really taking a look at what you have the opportunity to do. And that is really the difference. Um, I really would say in the marketplace and in ministry is who am I doing it for and why am I doing it? It's, it's, a, it's a joy to be able to do those things and to be able to see the outcomes and know and feel good about like, look at that. I see that change in that situation or that person. And that makes an impact. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, I wonder if there's any coaching you could give to someone looking to hire an administrative assistant. What should they look for? Um, are there certain personality traits that you think, boy, that would really be helpful? Obviously, patient is nice. But, you know, I look at a two on the Enneagram and think, oh, well, they're helpful. That's a great idea. A five on the Enneagram. They observe well. They see things. I don't want a four. They're drama. Um, <laughs> but what, what are some things that, that you think about, boy, that's what you should be looking for when you hire an, an administrative assistant? I think be, um, besides the normal skills that you should be looking for, which is, is someone organized, right? Can they hold a confidence? Are they trustworthy? Uh, they should be able to multitask. Those are things that you should always be looking for. And do they have many experiences? What different experiences do they have? I think there are some soft skills that you have to be looking at. And it's something that we talked about is, you know, is there a finesse? Is there, are they able to read a room? Are they able to be good problem solvers? How do they react? Look in a situation and watch them. How do they react? Like you said, I didn't even know that when you said earlier, like you're a patient. I was like, I didn't realize that that was something that came through. So I would say, you know, know someone and look at some of those qualities that you would want in them and some that compliment you. Hey, let me interrupt this podcast for just a second to remind you, if you're not taking care of your mental health, nobody is. Step up and go check out sagacenter.org to find out more. All right, back to our show. Yeah, we tend to just look for somebody that we like or we get along with or those kind of things, or maybe even a family friend. Some people hire their spouse to be their admin. Oh, man, nothing like arguing at work and at home. So uh, I just think that's right. an opportunity for drama. Okay, so let me, uh, let's get real practical here. 
Um, yeah, can doing... I tell you a story really fast, Rusty? Yeah. Um, so I don't even know if you remember this, but I remember when we first started working together. You're, you're an introvert and I'm, I'm an introvert, right? And so we just started working together. I remember where it was and I just remember, and I don't know if it, you felt that way, but I just felt really awkward. I wanted to be, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. Right. And I would leave and I would feel like, did I do that right? Did I ask him enough questions? But you gave me the grace and the time to learn through that. And um, I just remember that. And I remember that I was appreciative very much of that and that it took time and that I had to had to learn. I had to learn how to ask questions. I had to learn to know really what you want. And that's where I was talking about being a student and a learner. Mm. That's so good. Well, I, I don't recall you ever feeling awkward, um, but uh, okay. Let's talk about some of the tricks of the trade. Over the okay. course of our uh, many years working together, you've had to deal with a lot of uh, unique situations and some common situations for people. So maybe for somebody out there that's just starting off as um, an executive assistant or administrative assistant, I'm going to give you a, a you know, a kind of a, a list of things one at a time and you just sum up in a, in a few sentences what are some things you've learned about how to deal with those things here's the first one how do you deal with when i or the church gets negative emails that are sent to my email accounts i'd say um you always keep your composure when you're reading it right uh you refrain from react from reacting to a situation uh, there are times that I even give it some time before I send it on and not a lot of time, but just give it some time to think through what I need to do. So I never react and I seek understanding. And then I ask, I ask, would you like to see this email? Here's the content of it. And so, and then, and we go from there. So in that moment, um, what if it's something that you think, I think I can probably respond to that on my own. Uh, what's kind of the, the, the general response you give in those moments? It really depends on the situation. Um, but I would, I would say I want to make sure that I'm always responding in a kind way. I'm always responding because emails are really interesting. You know, it may be a response of, hey, I'd love to sit down and have coffee with you so we can talk about it. It may be a response of, you know, just... I'm sorry for the situation and or it may be a response that is direct you know, to the situation. It really depends on what I'm dealing with. Uh, certainly there are some that you're able to handle people that, you know, are, are outsiders looking in people I don't even know and you kind of uh, deal with it on my behalf. One of the things that's worked really well for us is I have an email that comes through the church website. Uh, which is pretty standard, and most of those go directly to you. And then a lot of times they ask for things that they think I have the answer to, but most likely I do not. Uh, it needs to go directly mm -hmm. to children's ministry or to a counseling ministry or something like that. You're able to kind of redirect. But in the ones that come directly to me, I have a different email address that I'll deal with, you know, you know friends and family and subscriptions and those kind of things. Um, mm -hmm. Or there's something that you think, oh, you probably need to see this or hear this and send it on. Um, okay, what about um, an aggressive staff member? Somebody rolls up to you and they're really upset, they're mad, they need to see me right away. 
uh, you know, how, how do you kind of slow things down? Well, yeah, we all uh, deal with aggressive people, period, right? Um, and we have to deal with it in a way. So we either deal with it. I try to diffuse it, completely diffuse the situation and understand what, what it is and never deal with anything publicly, but always deal with it privately. And, and that's what I normally do. If it's if I have to slow it down, um, you know, I'll have the per give the person some things to think about and then come back to it, but never dealing with anything publicly, always privately. Yeah, I've watched you navigate that with various people for any kind of reason. They weren't even just mad at me. It could have been somebody else, but to sit down with them and listen to them, because as we know, most of us just need to have our say more than we need to have our way. Mm -hmm. And feeling heard goes a long, long ways. Okay, scheduling meetings. Um, people contact you. Uh, hey, I need um, lunch with Rusty. I need an hour with Rusty. I need 30 minutes with Rusty. Um, you know, how do you deal with that? What are some of the things that we've done in the past to try to help maximize my time, but also their time as well? Yeah, if they need to meet with you, if they're um, someone, because we know you don't need to meet with everyone. And so depending on what the situation is, you know, I might find someone else that I could have them meet with. That works just fine for them, depending on what it is. If it's for you, you and I have um, an agreed upon schedule um, for your time because you can't do meetings all the time. You you just wouldn't have time to do everything else that you do. So we typically do 30 minute meetings with someone to set up a coffee. And I know the days you know, that we that we will schedule it. I know the times and what that looks like. And so that's what we normally do for your schedule if they have to and if they need to meet with you. Sometimes they don't, often they don't. Yeah, one of the things that's worked well for us in the past is also trying to meet between services. Yeah, find that amount of time. I'm already there. Uh, I can meet with people. Uh, usually a lot of their questions are pretty quickly resolved um, or they just want to be prayed for or with. And I can do that as well. Um, what about um, just managing schedules like a calendar and that kind of thing? You put together a calendar uh, or let's say I need to meet with six people and now you've got to coordinate all their schedules. What, what have you learned with that? Communication is really important of what that looks like. You are pretty flexible when it comes to, you know, what you, what we need to do, especially if we have a goal, you know, of meeting with several people and you want to do some coffees, you'll really work with people. Um, but I just mean, I just try to manage it and work people in together to maximize your time and not spread it all out all over your calendar and do early morning meetings, do things like you said earlier between services. If you're on the campus, if you're at another campus, schedule it when you're on the other campus. So really trying to make, utilize your time. Okay, so obviously, sometimes the problem is not the people requesting my time. The problem is me. And I can often um, change my mind or I need to move this because I just found out that my daughter's graduations that weekend or I have family mm -hmm. coming in town or I got a doctor's appointment now we got to move some things. You've always been very kind, but you've also put up with a lot of scheduling changes on my end. 
And how, how do you how do you keep up with decision changes for me? Are there are there times that you set up meetings on my behalf and say, hey, just pencil this in. This may change. You know, do you always buy the insurance for travel because I might change my mind on a particular trip? Uh, what have you learned along the way? That's a funny one because on the travel, let's talk about the travel for a second. What I've learned along the way is don't buy the insurance because it doesn't help you out. <laughs> it's so funny. We would buy it, but several times, especially before the last couple of years, we tried to utilize it because of uh, changes in the schedule and everything. But there is there are very few reasons why they allow you to do it. So. Not very often do I buy the insurance. I You travel a lot, so I'm able to make changes easily, and I've learned how to do that by just switching. Um, you're the, taking a credit and using that to purchase something else. So that's a, that's a tip right there. Um, regarding some of the other changes, I, you know, I would say flexibility and adaptability is really important. It just happens. I mean, life happens. And, and you have to move things. And I now kind of make it a fun game. Like, what could I do with this? And how can I make this change where it works out really well for you, but for the church if we're purchasing something? So I just do the best I can really to try to make those things. And it usually works out. Uh, one of the things that you have done so well, and I, I think people don't realize how much this reflects on a church, but if you have a guest speaker come in, the way that the church handles that guest speaker, and I don't mean that you lavish them with gifts or you pick up their you know, dry cleaning or get green M&Ms for the back room or anything, but just the way that they're, they're met, received, educated, uh, here's where you stay, here's where you go, those kind of things, it says a lot about the church, and I've learned that from when I travel, um, but you have been so gracious to our guest speakers that they all rave about you. So what are some of the things that you have done or learned or what is standard operating procedure for when we have a guest? That's an area I really enjoy. I mean, it, it's so much fun. It's like having a guest at your home. It's hospitality is really what it is. And it's, you know, as they're coming onto our campus, making people feel as comfortable as they can they come on our campus we have one of our campuses has a large amphitheater and as they come down i'm looking for them because i know i can give them instructions but they're going to be looking around so i look for them and i look to greet them um, and let and show them in show them the way and i just we do a guest speaker i would say document that we send and this is who we are so we have a letter that we send them prior to coming to the campus with all the specifics so over time we've refined it to um, help them feel I, I want them to feel really comfortable and feel like they want to come back so those are you know just a couple of things that we do it's just hospitality really yeah and a lot of it's just little things like letting them know where the restroom is, finding them a place they can be alone with their thoughts or go over their message, helping them get to the stage, their mic checked, mm -hmm. um, their slides checked, even ahead of time, collecting those things on an email and passing that along. Um, you know, all those little things that we often, you know, can tend to overlook. I know I've been in places where they provided gift baskets backstage or, you know, recently we had a guy <laughs> 
show up here to teach and uh, he's he's English and we always give a Lakers t-shirt to the guests and he, he looked at me and said what's a Laker so uh, you know they don't always pick up on it but uh, it's our attempt at hospitality yeah that was fun yeah um, okay so for every new administrative assistant out there there's probably a few questions they can ask the person they work for that would just help mm -hmm. them understand them better what's a few what's a few questions they should be asking what do you like what works for you? What do you need me to do? Like be direct. How can I do that better? What can I take off your plate? I would just say anything like that to open up the communication to help make your job easier. Think about those kind of things. So when um, I do things and I'm doing things for you and I'm like, oh, I could have done that better. I'll just, whatever that situation is, I'll come back to you and go, hey, how about if we do it this way? Because you like that. You're like, just tell me. Or how can, how, what should I do, Rusty? Help me to understand how I can do this part better. So I think it's really open communication, but asking questions along the way and learning those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that, that goes a long ways. Um, there's just so many things that I have not even thought that I needed to communicate that you have asked or discerned and then clarified. Like, do you want any meetings in the evening? Or how's, mm. how uh, early can I schedule you? If I make you a, a, a flight reservation, do you want the aisle, the exit row or the window? Uh, no one wants the middle, but you know, what, what are some things, you know, um, that I, I can do there. Um, just knowing that I'm an introvert and I, had, I need a little margin in between meetings just to recharge so I can have something to give in the next meeting. Knowing that a certain individual might be very draining, so you plan a little bit more downtime after that person or situation. Uh, boy, a lot of those go a long ways. And I would say you have helped me out immensely with, hey, this person just had a death, you need to know about this or I'm not sure if you are saw this on the news, but this happened and this affected somebody, or it's this staff person's birthday, just FYI. You know, we've never gotten to the level where uh, I've asked you to you know, buy my wife's birthday gift or uh, to pick up my dry cleaning or remind me my kids' names or anything like that, but uh, you certainly have, uh, have made my life a lot easier. Well, thank you for that. It's, it's, it's fun and some of the things, and I think you asked the question, some of the things I think I don't even think about and that I do, it's just part of what you do. Um, so I appreciate, I appreciate that, Rusty. Okay, so what are some um, expectations that all administrative assistants need uh, to put aside when they take that job? Because we've already mentioned, no, you're not gonna be sitting around reading the Bible and praying all day. So let's put a few expectations <laughs> aside before you become an admin at a church. Uh, what, what would you say to that? Um, I would say, the first thing I would say is um, things don't stay the same, they change. And growing churches are changing churches. So be adapt, you know, make sure that you can, you have that, you can be flexible and you can adapt easily. Those are essential things to have um, and to know I think the other expectation, and I don't mean this in any way except for how I'm going to say it, is sometimes people need a lot of credit for things that they do. 
I think you have to put an expectation aside of that you are going to get credit for everything because your job is really to help make someone else's job easier. And, um, and that's in, you know, clarity is kindness. We want to make sure we're clear about what our role is, what the expectations are, but know that we're all here to win together. So I would say that as well. And I think those are the two biggest things I would say. Well, I, I appreciate uh, you being on the podcast. It's been it's been something I've always wanted to, to have you on to talk about because I see you do it so well. I hear people ask me about this all the time because they're looking for help and they want people they trust and that they care for and that represent them well. And you've certainly done that. So thank you for doing this. But I want to leave with this question, and that is, what's the greatest joy in your mm-hmm. job? Uh, mm-hmm. Because what you do is ministry. And though you may not be on a stage or get accolades, um, what you do is literally, I believe, changing people's lives. What's the greatest joy that you receive in the job that you do? Hospitality, the thing that you said about the guest speakers, seeing them enjoy and feel that they've been taken care of well, seeing people win, bringing understanding to issues and situations that happen at the church and watching people walk away and things are great, you know, um, solving problems making any situation better, whatever it is. And then really the spiritual and leadership growth in others after having spent time with them and seeing the change of life. I just think in any next step, that's such a joy. Hmm. So many things. That's so great, Deb. Well, I really appreciate not only all you do, but I appreciate you being on the podcast. And uh, see, that wasn't so bad. You did great. Oh, you made it. Thank you. (laughs) I did. (laughs) I know you were dreading it, but you crushed it. And I know a lot of people want to share this with people um, who have administrative assistance to encourage them, uh, but also pastors who are looking to uh, to hire somebody. So thank you uh, for all that you have done. And I really appreciate the way that you serve, not just me, but the greater church. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Rusty. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for being on the show. You did an amazing job. I know you were nervous about it, but you crushed it. Hey, uh, listen, next week, uh, we have a chance uh, to sit down and talk with the guy that baptized Jeffrey Dahmer. That's right. The the cannibal from uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Was he sincere? Does God's grace go that far? We're going to sit down with Roy Ratcliffe, who was the pastor that happened to get the call that there's a guy in prison that wants to talk to somebody, happened to be Jeffrey Dahmer. And I think you're going to be fascinated by what he has to say. So he'll be with us next week. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast so you make sure that you get it every single week. And we'll be back next week. And until then, keep it simple. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you'll get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple.